If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or a grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. We are back and we are live. It is Fight IQ presented by Rotowire. It is UFC 227 from Los Angeles, California. The main event is a rematch that we've all been looking forward to. The champ now is TJ Dillashaw taking on Cody Garbrandt in what I'm hoping is a fireworks-filled rematch and another rematch in our co-main event that I'm looking forward to just as much, actually. I know that's not a popular opinion, but it is Demetrius Johnson taking on Henry Cejudo. I don't think that one ends in the first round this time. We'll get to that later. Uh, I am your host, by the way, the Daily Fantasy Sniper. And with me, as always, are the co-host, the analyst for Fight IQ. It is Chris Olson and Sun Tzu. Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing um, especially great today because look what just came in the mail. Your hat, Ooh. baby. Where's your hat, Sean? The Rotor Wire hat. Chris just totally stole my thunder. Oh, oh no! There you are. Oh, oh that is on. We are all hatted up, baby. So everyone, now, stop sending Jake all these nasty emails and <laughs> tweets. I know he was he was getting a lot of hate mail. Everything has come in the mail. Now we just got to work on shirts and hoodies. So, so I have to, so, yeah, hoodie for sure. So I have to ask you guys: Is being hatted up like in DFS the like equivalent of being g'd up? If you were like. You know, a, a rap type gangster. Like, I mean, I guess we should ask Jared Brooks that question. Yeah, like uh, <laughs> uh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Chris, this is the first time I've ever seen you with a hat, man. It's a good. Yeah, look no, for I'm you. not a hat guy, and with long hair, I'm sure it looks extra ridiculous. But no, no, man, hair. I think it's a good look for you. It actually makes you like appear like you know what you're talking about. Ah, well. Then I should wear the shirt, too. I got a shirt back here. What, you know, I, I, what I need you to do, then, is that you have to take that hat off and we start talking about how Cub Swanson is going to win. <laughs> <laughs> but we will get there. And before we dive into the fight, well, we'll get there, that these that these podcast shows are brought to you by Rotowire MMA. Make sure and go to Rotowire, rotowire.com slash free, 10-day free trial to all their premium content. They have... Um, Season-long content, daily fantasy sports, 
You're also now for MMA, they rolled out this week uh, a lineup optimizer. It's in beta. It just has, um, aver- I think it's for, for its projections. It's just using average um, fights, your average score per fight. Average there, point but, score. Yeah. But you have a, another optimizer out there, um, another tool that they have added. So make sure and check out all that stuff. And as always, I'm going to plug our Twitters because it's important to me, not Sun Tzu, but you can find Joe at Sun Tzu at the DFS Sniper 1S. Chris is at Real Chris Olson. Guys, are you excited for this card as I am? Because it is, it, it's, I know people are disappointed with the the fights that are on pay-per-view. Like it really falls off. But top to bottom, I think it's going to be a fun card. Uh, yeah, I am. Um, I'm sorry. I, uh, didn't know you were talking to me, but, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a fun card too. And I, um, can you hear me? Yeah, we got you. All right. I think it's going to be a fun card too. I, um, I think there's a lot of good matchups here. I think there's a lot of good point opportunities and maybe some good under the radar point opportunities, because I think there are a couple fighters here that might get a finish who you wouldn't necessarily think of to getting a finish. So, I think that could sneak up on some people and uh, maybe get them some big points. Now, as I've been building lineups, Joe, this card sets up for me as a GPP card, a, a pretty damn good one on DraftKings. What do you think in terms of where's most of your volume going to be? I know you're typically a GPP guy, but does this card scream GPP for you as it does for me? Well, you know, I, again, I I think this card is is has great balance because you have two round two five round fights. So if you pick the right fight to stack. This could actually be a pretty good cash card, too. And, and I was actually having this conversation with Brett on the Alpha Pod that we did a little while ago. Um, Brett Apley, that is, BB Bomb, where, you know, if, if I stack, I'm stacking not so much because I think I'm going to get a lot of points, but because I have a high a level of uncertainty as to the outcome. You know, and, and I think, you know, there's four fights, there's four fighters here in, in two five-round fights, and... This could be a really good cash card if you if you pick the right fight to stack. Do you need to pick one? I think the double stack is in play. Ooh, it's scary. Uh, well, it's here's, really here's, scary. here's the analysis behind the double stack, right? If you do the double stack, right, you're going to have $15,600 left. Are you confident enough that with $15,600? It's more than you that. I think it's, I think it's 16 six. Mm. Or 17 six. 17 six. You have 8,800 left to fighter, right? Hang on, let's just, I'll, I'll plug it in right now. All right, so that'd be right. Check it, check it. Right? 8,800, 17,600. What? If you double stack, you get 8,800 left per fighter. You need to pick those two wins. Wait, 16, okay, you're right. So it's 32, it's 32,4, right. So you got, you got 17,600. So are you, can you find two fighters that are going to win? So the people in that range, and we'll talk about them later, but this is kind of good foreshadowing. In that range, starting from 9,100 to like 8,400, you have Hanato Moicano, Pollyanna Vienna, Pedro Munoz, Weilei Zhang, Ricardo Ramos, Ricky Simon, Alex Perez. And what if either one of those fights ends up in a quick finish? And you get, <laughs> you know, you get, you get 225 out of the double stack. I mean, is that going to work for you? Um if you get the other two right, it might. It's it's it's. I'm Double not sure I'm going to catch. For me, that that's one of the reasons why I said this card screams GPP. But we'll get into into the breakdowns and, and let's start talking about some fights. Yes. And it's it's funny you mention our our, our friend BB Bomb because his boy is up. 
Leading off the card, Marlon Chito Vera, 9,300, taking on Waligi Burren at 6,900. The line on this right now, Marlon Vera is one of the biggest favorites on the card at one point. And yes, as of right now, Friday night, he is the biggest favorite on the card at minus 460. Waligi Burns, the underdog at plus 410. Marlon Vera coming off back-to-back losses. Douglas Silva, Diandraj, John Lineker, good fights, clearly lost both of them. Waligi Burns is coming off a loss to Orlando D, which is really, really bad. The one thing Burns does is he looks to wrestle. I think Vera's bigger, stronger guy. I'm picking Vera to win the fight, but I have a hard time at 9,300 paying up for him, especially with Mighty Mouse in that range, Tiago Santos. It's hard for me to want to go there. And my problem with Vera is he gets very complacent in fights. If Burren gets a takedown, he might lay on his back. He doesn't really press the action on the feet. I know Burren was dropped by D and he popped back up, so Vera could get a finish. But I have enough worry here that I'm not sure how much Marlon Vera I'm going to play even though he's the biggest favorite on the card, he's he's really expensive for me. So, Chris, uh, take us away on this first fight. Marlon Vera or Waligi Byron? Uh, yeah, you pretty much outlined my concerns. I mean, I think I'm going to I'm gonna take from a slightly different perspective the fact that he sort of uh, lays back is that um, I'm not even worried about what happens when Waligi Byron gets a takedown. I'm just worried about he, uh, Cheeto Vera in general. I think I said this. Uh, analyzing the last fight, but it just he just hangs back and gives away rounds so often. And then in the third round, he almost like a switch flips and he goes, oh my God, now I have to fight. And he fights, but it, it's not good enough. And he, and he drops decisions. I'm just really um, concerned about that complacency. I, I mean, so I guess we both are in different areas. I mean, I, I think skill for skill, Vera is the better fighter. Clearly. He's going to be the bigger guy, as you mentioned. I like his, his kicking game when he decides that he wants to come forward and do it. But the problem is he, he's not even a, really a counter striker like Rolando Diaz. He, he just sits back and doesn't really do anything. So for 9,300, I agree with you completely. I'm, I'm not going to have much of him at all. I mean, his finishes are so weird. You have that the third round head kick of uh, Brad Pickett. Then you have the weird uh, submission of, of Brian Keller when he – when he locked up the Kimura and I think finished with an arm bar, they're just kind of, they're just kind of, you know, lightning strikes that, you know, there's nothing about Chito Vera that screams like consistent finisher to me. And I don't think he's going to get one here. So this is probably dog or pass for me across the board. And that means not a lot in this fight at all, because not a big burn fan. So now before I flip it to Joe, I, I think the other side of this fight is I think, that I was hoping that people were going to be all off Waligi Burren. I've heard more and more people agree with me and Chris, you know, initial takes, which makes me think, could Marlon Vera be under-owned in this spot? Joe, what, what are you thinking in this fight? Look, I mean, I feel bad for, like, Waligi Burren. Like, he must have felt, he must feel like someone pissed in his Cheerios because, you know, he he's training for a fight thinking he's going to go up against Kandari, who is, uh, Bahara Kandre, yeah, Bad, who he could actually out wrest, he could out wrestler, out wrestle the Indian wrestler, um, you know. So and now, then all of a sudden he finds out. Well, no, I'm going to be fighting Cheeto Vera, training at Jackson Wank, solid competition. Um, I think Vera could be a sneaky GPP play. I wouldn't say cash because anybody would rather pay the extra hundred dollars and go up to to DJ. But I think he could be a sneaky low-owned 
um, GPP play. I mean, I, I have so far, I will share with our millions of listening viewers, viewers, listeners, that I have 80 lineups created so far, and I have Vera in 14. Um, so I've got some exposure to Vera. Well, we, we were talking talking somewhere else in, in a Slack chat, and I disagree with one of your exposures, and we'll get there. So I'm hoping they're going to have some adjustments coming along. Yeah. But before that, oh, I, I sorted the fights wrong. I, I almost gave us the co-main event. No. We're not going to get there yet. Mm-hmm. Wei Lei Zhang, 8,700, taking on Danielle Taylor at 7,500. The odds on this fight, Wei Lei Zhang is the favorite, minus 255. It's been pretty consistent all week. The comeback on Danielle Taylor is plus 235. Danielle Taylor, I don't actually know what her nickname is, but it's Fantasy Black Hole. Do not play Danielle, Ta- Danielle Taylor. If she beats you, she beats you. I, I don't see it. Wei Zhang, on the other hand, is a newcomer who's beaten up cans, but she does look good on tape. You know, you look good against cans, but it, it's she, all the skills are there. She's aggressive. She throws volume. She's going to be bigger than Taylor, who should be an atom weight if the UFC had the division. I like Zhang a bunch here. I'm a little worried about the output because maybe da- Taylor runs the whole fight. But even even with that, Zhang is the harder puncher, has the grappling. I like the newcomer part of this Chinese wave. Uh, I'm taking Weile Zhang. Joe? Yeah, I mean, look, that's my concern. Your concern is my concern is that Taylor, you know, just, just spends the entire fight on her engine. Um, and again, I would hope, like, this is one instance where I really would like the referee, uh, the judge, sorry, the referee, the judge to get involved. Uh, no, the ref to get involved and say, hey, you know, we need action girls, you know, because I could see Taylor running and, and you know, the other fighter chasing her down. And look, I think she's a worthwhile play in GPP. I would like not touch this fight in cash. Um, I don't see like, even if Taylor wins, she's not going to score any points. And I think Jane could be cash viable. No, only like, only if she gets the finish though. Do you really see her, you know, earning her getting 10x on on a decision? I don't she, see it. If she grapples, she's she's gonna have a grappling advantage. We've seen her take girls down, ground and pound. Uh, I know it's different competition. It's I don't think it's that I'm not saying it's the best option, but I don't think it's that crazy. Uh, I'm with you though on the pick. Chris, are you locking in um Wei Zhang and Cash? Uh, okay, so remember at the beginning when I said this might be a card for a finish for a fighter who never really gets finishes? Don't, I was talking about Daniel Taylor. Go ahead, take I, the hat off. Take the hat off. <laughs> listen, listen I, I, was, I was so confused when you started talking. I was wondering if we watched the same tape. Um, this, this, this newcomer, all she does is stand in front and, and, and try to pepper with light shots until her opponent falls. And in her in the in her last fight, she got dropped like three times before the opponent pulled guard somehow, and she ended up winning with ground and pound. Yeah, this is this is a perfect style matchup for Danielle Taylor. All she does is is keep her distance, move around, and throw big power shots. Well, she's gonna have she's somebody in there with her. She's a one oh five or don't say big power gonna, ever again. Gonna, excuse me, look at that. She's gonna have somebody. She's gonna have somebody in there with her who's gonna stand right in front of her, not move her head, and just wing these wild shots. I guarantee you, she's gonna get hit hard with something at some point in this fight. There's no way, unless she fights totally different than what we've seen on tape. There's just, there's just no way that it won't happen. I'm not saying that Taylor is like a lock to win because maybe 
maybe in some universe she gets overwhelmed by the pressure, but Taylor is just such a more composed fighter. She actually has an idea of what she wants to do in the cage. I mean, look, am I saying go all in on Daniel Taylor? I'm not. But if you're looking for a GPP play that nobody's going to be on that could pro could finish and I think has a better chance of than usual to finish, I think it's Daniel Taylor. She throws hard. I mean, I already mentioned everything. I won't go all the way through it. But, I mean, yeah, Daniel Taylor. Okay, so listen, wait. Sean, I think, you know, I'm going to give some spoilers here so people have to cover their ears because Chris is obviously living in some sort of fantasy world. So there's a couple of things I want to spoil for him. You know, one of them is in Psycho, Anthony Perkins does play his mother. In Cinderella, the shoe does fit. And saying Daniel Taylor, Daniel Taylor has power shots with a straight face. These are all fantasies. For that division, you don't think she throws hard? Come on. She's a 105 no. Danielle Taylor, this fight is minus 167 over two and a half rounds. Fight Danielle Taylor to win inside the distance. It's plus 660. Here's the one thing I will say in your defense, Chris, because I, I feel compelled to defend you at least a little bit. Oh, thank you so much. She will have uh, – she is um, a – I believe she works in the sheriff's office in the L.A. area. She will have plenty of friends and family cheering her on. That, that could provide a bit of motivation for her, um, you know, being the local fighter, being able to, you know, you know, not disrupt her training, having to travel. Um, I will say that much, but I, I look, I don't think this is a great fight, but I just, you know, saying that she's going to get a finish is a real bold. Well, thing. let's clarify. I said, I said, it's, I said it's more probable than usual. That's I didn't say the, to, to be clear. I didn't say golden on Daniel Taylor. I said she could be a, a good sharp, um, contrarian GPP play, but I'm I'm shocked that you guys liked what you saw when you watched yeah. when you watched tape. I think we watched different tape. I I don't I'm not uh, sure what you guys were looking at. I think we have to remove the word sharp from contrarian, and then I could maybe get on the same page as you. All right, all right. Well, you know you know what I'm trying to say. Come on. <laughs> unless, this fight doesn't. Danielle Taylor doesn't finish this fight unless a different Danielle Taylor shows up. We spent a lot of time on this fight. Let's let's just move on and agree to disagree. And I'm assuming we know Chris's hot take. And I'm going to vomit during that part. Joy being the host, I can throw that in and move on to Alex Perez at 8,400. Taking on Jose Shorty Torres at 7,800. Perez is the favorite at minus 140. The comeback on Jose Torres is plus 130. Torres coming in that fight, off that fight against Jared Brooks, where he was taken down a few times. And then on the last attempt, Brooks knocked himself out. That fight was on short notice for uh, Jose Torres. At weigh-ins, he did look significantly smaller against Alex Perez. Perez gets a ton of takedowns. I think people are jumping on Perez because he gets takedowns. Brooks took down Torres, MMA math. Perez is going to take down Torres a bunch. I'm not, not so sure here. I think Torres is the better striker, hits with more power. I am a little worried about his chin because he gets dropped a lot. And he has enough wrestling. He's not an incompetent wrestler. Jared Brooks's wrestling is better than Alex Perez's. I think Torres does enough to keep this one on the feet. I'm still playing with exposures to this fight, but I like Torres as the pick here as the underdog at 7,800 and plus 130. Chris, you always pick the underdogs. Are you agreeing with me here or are you going to just be different? I'm just, I know, I'm so contrarian that I have to be contrarian now to you and say that, no, I'm taking uh, Alex Perez. And I think... I mean, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. I do think Torres has more power. I like He's a good combination puncher. But I honestly don't think this read is all that dissimilar to the Jared Brooks fight. The wrestling you mentioned, 
but also the pace that Alex Perez is going to put on uh, Jose Torres. I just think he's going to be too much for him. I think that um, he's going to put the pace on him. He's going to find his takedowns. He's going to land his shots. And I think that Torres needs to be coming forward to execute his game, more or less. And I don't think Alex Perez is going to give that to him. I think the pace is going to be too much. The pressure is going to be too much. And, yeah, like I said, I, I don't see these reads as all that dissimilar. As long as Alex Perez doesn't knock himself out somewhere along the line, I think we're good to go. So I'm picking Alex Perez. Joe, who do you have here? Look, I expect Torres to do better in his second UFC fight. Um, the other thing to consider is that when Torres got called up, and remember, his last fight against Brooks was short notice, he was training to fight at 145 because he already held two titles and was looking to – to go for a third title at, at 145. So he got the call saying, hey, guess what? Good news is you just got signed by the UFC. Bad news is we know you're training at 145, but this fight is going to happen at 125. So I get that Perez looked bigger than him at weigh-ins. However, not having to go through that severe of a weight cut, because I have to believe that if you're training to fight at 145, you're going to be walking around at at least 145, if not higher. So having to cut all that weight, who knows what effect that had on him. This guy is a winner. All he does is win. Um, so I'm going to have exposure to Perez, but I, I'm i actually a little surprised that, and we'll talk about the line value on some of the other fights later, I'm surprised that this line is not flipped. I really thought this line might flip, um, and maybe it still will, but I like uh, Shorty Torres here. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the line is going to flip. I, I, I have a small bet on Shorty Torres at plus money. Uh, looking, I'm going to hit the YouTube chat real quick. If you're listening to this episode after the fact and you subscribe to Rotowire MMA, we do these episodes Friday night, usually around 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, so you can type live. We'll answer some questions. Uh, you know, first couple questions are about line movement. You know, we can save all these because they're about fights that are later, but line movement on Pollyanna Vienna and J.J. Aldrich. Same with wow. uh, with Ricky Simone and Montel Jackson, how much chalk Montel will be. You know, we, we will get to that. And my um, friend Vin says the Taylor fight is the bathroom break since Damian Maya isn't on the card. <laughs> I don't know, Zhang. Well, Damian Maya there. Well, you know, in, in terms of line movement, if you guys followed line movement last week for the la for last Ugh. week's card in Calgary, it went three and one line movement. So you got you got out of four fights where there was a salary where there was salary differential or salary benefit relative to line movement, um, it went three and one. So we'll see what happens here, but that's not too bad. Coming up next is a fight that I really, I the more I look at, I like out a lot for GPPs, and I think it's going to go under the radar. Matt Sales, 8,300, taking on Shaman Marais at 7,900. The line on this fight right now, it has flipped since the open. Shaman Marais is a minus 115 favorite. Matt Sales is the dog at plus 105. Looking at some other books, it's a pick em straight 110, 110 at some places. So it depends on what, what book you look at. It is a pick em slash fight. What I do think is interesting about this fight is the inside the distance prop and the, the over-under. So the under two and a half rounds is plus 102. The fight does not go to decision is minus 130. I think there's a little value there. I think this fight's going to end inside the distance from what I've seen. Marais is the typical Brazilian kickboxer with power. Matt Sales trains at Alliance with um, Dominic Cruz. 
has some grappling, moves in pretty straight, is there to be hit by Marais, but also hits hard himself. Um, I like this fight to finish, and I just, I actually think that Sales is going to look to grapple here, and if he wins, I think it'll be ground and pound base for a finish. I'm just not so sure he won't get caught coming in. So I like this fight a lot for GPPs. My straight pick, though, I'm going to go with Matt Sales in this one. Uh, Sun Tzu? This is interesting because are you guys familiar with the Oprah effect as it relates to to marketing? Like apparently anytime someone comes on Oprah that has a business, um, you know, their business takes off. We're starting to see that with like Dominic Cruz and Alliance. Like, you know, the the big narrative on this fight is, ooh, sales fights with Dominic Cruz. You know, he fights with Dominic Cruz at Alliance in San Diego. Um, and a, a couple of respected guys out there have like given sales out as their, you know, shout out to Kyle Marley as their free play. Um, I, I just don't see it. I mean, I, I like, uh, I'm going with the line value here. There has been a line move um, with Marias, whose first two fights in the UFC, welcome to the UFC. You get the fight Zabit and then Marlon Marias. Um, this fight is material, materially easier than either one of those fights. Um, I don't know, man. I would have some exposure to both sides of this fight, but um, picking a winner, I am definitely going with Marias here. Chris, what are you doing with this fight? Yeah, uh, this is interesting to me. It's kind of close. To me, this is going to be a real question of who wins the pressure war because they're both pressure fighters. They both like to advance, but only one guy can do that per fight, so we're going to have to see who takes the initiative. Um, it could look it could look a lot like Moraes' fight with uh, Luis Palomino, where they're just they just end up crazily swinging at each other. Um, I wouldn't doubt that for a second. But you you talked about Sales' grappling. I mean, he could try that. I mean, in his only loss, he got soundly out grappled. I think that was two or three fights ago. So we'll have to see how that how that how that it's plays for him. Shaman Moraes is not a grappler, though. No, I get it, but I, I just I just wonder how willing he's going to be to play that game again, especially how much success he's had lately uh, coming forward, throwing that right hand and just knocking dudes out. Um, I think Bryce, I, I love his leg kicking game. It actually reminds me a little bit of um, Justin Gaethje, the way he chops at it and moves his head yep. off the center line. I like that about him a lot. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't really see a deep enough game from, from sales here to confidently pick him in this fight. Although I do acknowledge that either one of these guys can finish each other. So I guess I'm going to have to be boring here and, and, and go with Joe and say that I'm going to have exposure to both. I think both can win. I think I'll be a little heavier on my right. I, I think I'm just – I'm not super confident in the pick, but I am very – it sounds like I'm more confident and that I think this fight is really important for GPPs. I've, I'm seeing a finish here whenever I play it out in my head, and even at their mid-price, if there's any kind of volume or a knockdown – I think this it's fight is priced just outside of Cody and TJ. I think it's a good chance this fight ends up in the optimal lineup. So I, no, I, I, I agree with you. And that's why, I mean, I referenced that Palomino fight. It was just a crazy war. And I think we could see that again. And I think if we see that here, I think uh, one of these guys could definitely drop. So I, I don't often do this, but I actually think that's a, a nice read by you. I'll pay you a compliment. And um, I, I do think that uh, this is a fight you should be looking at. Absolutely. All right, next up, Ricardo Ramos, 8,600, taking on Quan Ho Kang at 7,600. The line on this fight currently, Ramos is a minus 215 
favorite. Kang is the underdog at plus 195. This fight's interesting because these guys are, are pretty similar in that they both have stand-up striking um, and a little bit of grappling. They're both fairly well-rounded. Ramos is the younger guy. Kang, though, was getting hit on the feet against Guido Canetti, and that's a big problem. I know he was off three years beforehand. I think Ramos' is striking is better. I don't think Kang can get Ramos to the ground. I think Ramos... I think Kang might be a better submission grappler, but I don't think he's going to have a chance to really use it in this fight. So I'm going with Ricardo Ramos. I was really high on him to start the week to win the fight. I still am, but on DraftKings, I'm starting to worry a little bit about how well he scores. Uh, Chris, how do you have this one pegged? Yeah, uh, well, I, I mirror your concerns. I think um, we saw we saw Kennedy have a lot of success just by coming forward and being aggressive, and um, I, I I don't think I don't think that that um, plays well in this fight for Kang because I I think that Ramos can do that. I also think that Ramos is um, pro- I would say probably a better a better um, grappler, and I would say probably better than than we got the chance to see because and that's a hobby fight. I think some a lesser scrambler would have probably been submitted in that fight. I think that um, Hamas was doing really good work there. Uh, Zahabi was just able to keep up with him. I mean, I guess that's what happens when you're a super prospect and your brother is, is a great coach. I guess that happens. But I'm really excited to see Hamosh, um, uh exercise some more of his BJJ here. He stands a little bit upright, which um, I don't love, especially against the guy who hits as hard as Kang does. But and is as big as he is, but uh, we had, he had to lay off, and then he doesn't look great against Kennedy, and now he's in there against a, a tricky, a tricky good BJJ fighter who's got um, some good striking of his own. I think I have to pick Hamos here. Joe, where do you have this one? So um, Hamos actually did this camp at at Alpha Male. Um, Alpha Male is is not generally known as a striking camp, so I, I think he already brings a striking edge into this fight. I'm not looking for any vast improvements in striking. Um, he, if anything, his wrestling slash grappling you know, would improve based on time spent at Alpha Male. Plus, he's a very young fighter. I believe he's only 23 or 24. Um, Kang did have the military service. They threw him a big softball when he went up against uh, Kennedy. Um, I actually like this as a fight to target. Um, this is the only three-round fight other than um, other than Santos Holland that where they set the over under as one and a half rounds versus two and a half rounds. And um, it actually there's been line pressure against this fight finishing inside the distance with I don't necessarily which I don't necessarily agree with. I do think we're going to get a finish here. Um, if it does go to decision, I don't think it's going to be a great scoring fight um, because I think a lot, I think these guys can neutralize each other. Um, but I am going to, my initial pick was Kang, and I guess I'll stay with Kang here, but it's a fight, like to give you an example, I have 24% exposure to Hamos and 22% exposure to Kang in the lineups that I've created so far. So I like this fight to target. Um, I like it fairly equally. I think. Exposure to the fight is a lot more than picking a winner. Um, is a lot more important than picking a winner. But gun to my head, I'll go with Ken. All right. Speaking of line value, we have Ricky Simone, eighty-five hundred, taking on Montel Jackson at seventy-seven hundred. Montel Jackson is now the favorite, minus one twenty, taking on Ricky Simone at plus one ten. Jackson coming off the Dana White Tuesday, Tuesday Night Contender Series, long guy, really athletic. 
pretty explosive, has some grappling. His uh, weigh ins looks longer and bigger than Ricky Simone. Simone is coming off of a fight against Mirab Divashvili where he was handed a win. I don't think Divashvili was out. Um, came on late. Uh, Divashvili put on an insane pace. And Simone didn't fade to his credit, but he was taken down a bunch. Overall, just stylistically, I think Jackson's going to be in this one. I think he can play at range. I think those long limbs and his grappling will have some success here. We've seen Simone can be taken down. I like Montel Jackson. I like the line movement. I, I agree with it. I think he's a play in cash if he fits there. I think he's going to be pretty chalky, though. I think um, this is one of our questions. How chalky do you think Montel Jackson is? I'm going to – and I'm not the ownership expert, so I'll let these guys both touch on it well. My gut feeling right now is he's probably going to be around 35 40% in most contests. Um, at this at this line value. So, Joe, what do you think about the fight and the line movement and ownership? Yeah, so, honestly, I wasn't really focused too much on this fight prior to the line movement. Um, you know, I was at the fight in Atlantic City when, you know, Simon got that. <laughs> we didn't know what was going on at the end of the fight. We had assumed that uh, Dishvali won, the, you know, the decision. And then, you know, when we found out that uh, Simon won by submission, we were all, like, freaking out. Um, so I remember I was at that fight. It was an interesting fight. Um, I think Simon could be, look, you got a guy making a debut who, who essentially flipped the line against a guy who is, has fought arguably better competition. Um, the line movement makes it tough. I'm probably, this is going to be a strange statement, but I'm probably going to have more exposure. Not probably. I will have more exposure. Um, to Jackson, but my pick to win the fight is Simon. Chris, how do you have this one? Yeah, I I don't know if if um, this fight's going to be particularly chalky because I don't know if people aren't just going to sort of bypass this. I, I I you know Montel Jackson, he got his finish in the third in the third round of the Contender Series, I think. Right. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of odds-based players, and, and there's no. I know that. I know and, that there are, but I also, but I also think that, um, you know, we have these fights sometimes where you know there's a lot of casual players too, and so they're not necessarily they're looking for guys they know or you know guys who have who have finishes. I mean, this is a guy who we just saw at the contender series. He had a good fight, but you know it was muddled up a little bit by all the fouls and whatnot. I don't, I'm, I'm not really getting a strong sense of a chalky ownership, but you might be right. He could be, in all fairness. Um, a lot based on home value, Chris. He's going to be very chalky. No, yeah. No, I get it. But, you know, all right, we'll see. But anyway, um, as far as my read on the fight goes, I, I, I basically agree that, um, you know, Montel's the pick here. I think like you guys covered it, the length, you know, the grappling. I, I think they said in the Contender Series he was – uh, like an, an Olympic hopeful or something. So that that gives me, uh, you know, a good feeling. He's, he's definitely strong. We saw, we saw that in the Contender Series fight. Um, yeah, Ricky, Ricky Simone, I wouldn't go past him uh, all the way just because his style plays pretty well for DraftKings in that he's a, he's a guy yes. who likes to back you up with strikes and then um, go get in for takedowns and he'll chain wrestle over and over and over again. If you let him, um, you know that that fight with D Diashvili, that guy's a nightmare for anybody just because of the pace he puts on, and um, you know Simon couldn't really get anything going in that fight prior to you know the weird finish. But I attribute that to the opponent more so than um, 
you know, a failing from Ricky Simone. And I think that um, he's going to have a better opportunity to get takedowns here on Montel if he so chooses, and I think he will. So the pick here is, Mon is Montel, but um, don't speed through Ricky Simone because I think he's got the kind of style here that could generate points. All right, next up a fight that I, I'm, I'm going to do, do some foreshadowing. Here's my hot take right here. Pedro Munoz, 8,800, taking on Brett Johns at 7,400. Pedro Munoz is the favorite, minus 210. Brett Johns is the underdog at plus 190. Everyone is off of Brett Johns because he was handled by Aljamain Sterling, who is you know, a borderline top five guy in that division. Pedro Munoz, I believe his last fight was a split decision against John Dodson, um, a loss, which even I can't hold that against him, even though I, I never have been or will be a, John, a Pedro Munoz fan. It's hard to look good against John Dodson. And before that, he subbed Rob Font. Damien Stasiak, by the way, that is another guy that Pedro Munoz fought, and that was, that was a fight for a little while. Stasiak, I believe, got a takedown. Look, Brett Johns is going to try and grapple you over and over and over again. What we all seem to forget, and I did too, is that Aljamain Sterling has an NCAA wrestling background. That posed a real problem, and Johns couldn't grapple. Yes, he was exposed as a little one-dimensional. And he probably still is. You can't improve that much. But Pedro Munoz, to me, is submission or bust. I don't think he's going to be able to piece up Brett Johns um, as Brett Johns is going to pressure forward. I think it's going to be a grappling match. My one concern is that Munoz catches him with that nasty, nasty guillotine. I don't like to rely on a guy who's sub or bust. I love a guy who's going to look for takedowns over and over again. I think this fight is closer than plus 190, minus 210. I don't think Munoz is that good. I've been saying it for fights and fights and fights, and I'm going to keep trusting with what I see. Maybe I'm wrong here, but I like Brett Johns a ton. I think he goes out and wrestles you-know-whats. Pedro Munoz for three rounds. We'll get to my hot take later because I'm not just going to pick Brett Johns. I'll go a little more specific, but I like Brett Johns. He's one of my favorite underdog plays of the week. I'll send it to Chris first to tell me why I'm insane. Well, I wish I could. I think that'll come later. But for this, um, I, and I actually agree with you. I think um, ah, I think a lot of times <laughs> I think that um, the hat is a making them smarter. What's that? The hat is making him smarter. I know, right? <laughs> Pull it down. Maybe, maybe it'll, it'll seep in even further. But um, I think that, like a lot of fighters, like, like right a lot on. of fighters that we see who have a really good uh, guillotine, they, they use that in um, substitution for their takedown defense because that's where they want the fight so they can finish it. So I think that that might make the takedowns a little easier for Johns, but all he's got to do is he's got to – you know, he's got to move to side control. He's got to do what he can do to um, not get caught in that guillotine, which is easier said than done. But, I mean, look, the, the Rob Font, and, and Munoz has a great guillotine. I'm not saying he doesn't. But the, the Rob Font sub was, was, was a club first. So, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not like, um, you know, that was a panic takedown that he converted to it. So if they're just fighting and Brett John shoots for takedowns, is he just going to be able to sub him dry like that without – without, um, you know, any, like, damage or anything. I kind of doubt that for a guy who, who's been doing – who, you know, relies on that solely for his offense. I think, you know, I think they're going to they're gonna have that in their game plan that they have to deal with this. I also think that on the feet, Brett Johns is the one who's going to be coming forward. 
Um, I think he's going to be a little bit quicker. And I kind of, I kind of like him almost everywhere, to be honest, except, you know, for the, the, the sub on the ground. But I think um, as much as it horrifies me, I'm going to have to agree with Sean here and say that um, I like Brett Johns here. And um, I think he could score pretty highly. We, all, we already saw that in, you know, the fight with Quano Quack. We know how well he can do when he's chaining those takedowns together. We know how big he can score. And I think he's got a chance to do that here. Yeah, our, our regular listeners chiming in. Uh, Dave LB says this is a bad matchup for Johns, uh, and that Fon Fon is a way better was way better striker than Johns. Agree with Fon is better than a better striker than Johns. Disagree. This is a bad matchup. The bad matchup is a wrestler, another counter wrestler, specifically an NCA wrestler, because we saw that he can't handle that. Uh, you know, his grappling is a submission. He just needs to avoid the sub. Johns has slick, slick jiu-jitsu. We saw him submit Joe, Joe Soto with a calf slicer. Like, he's no BJJ slouch. Live to the sub, but I don't think he's going to... Uh, Garrett, by the way, says everyone's game plan versus Munoz now is watch your neck, as it should be, but I don't think that's going to deter Johns from looking for the takedown. Uh, Joe? Look, I, I agree with everything you guys said about Johns. I think he's live. I think you should have exposure to him on DK, especially in mass and cheap GPPs. Um, though I'm going to pick Munoz to win the fight. I got it. Continue. I mean, elaborate that's, a little bit. That's it. I mean, you guys, are, you guys already gave all the analysis. I mean, I, I think – I don't know that, that – jo- look, I, I would like to think that um, – I haven't seen a lot of improvement in Munoz's striking. However, um, I don't think jo- I don't think Johns is a Johns is a great striker either. Um, so I, let's call that even. Um, I I just see I see Munoz being able to you know impose his will on Johns. Um, although look, it wouldn't. I see this as a lot closer than the line. Let's put it that way. I see this as a lot closer than the line. Um, Everybody has that same strategy. Watch your neck against Munoz. Yet he still somehow manages to get the submissions. So, do we really think Johns has got that much better fight IQ than you know Rob Font than you know other guys that got caught in that in that choke? I don't necessarily think so. Um, he's an MMA lab guy. Comes from a good camp. The other thing, and someone, and I can't remember who. It might have been Kelton. Um, but commented that, you know, John still does not have a U.S. camp. Um, he's still doing all his training in, in the U.K. or his local camp. Um, I'd like to see him get a camp in the U.S. I think he's a good fighter. He's got potential. Uh, I just think this is a little bit too much of a tough test for him. All right, next up, Tiago Santos, 9,200, taking on Kevin Holland at 7,000. Uh, there is huge line in this fight, Tiago Santos. Minus 325 favorite, the comeback on Holland, plus new net 295. But this fight is minus 420 to end inside the distance. Uh, I love this fight in GPP. Santos hits hard. That, that left kick is a thing of just pure destruction. Whereas Holland, another Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series guy, flashy striker, hits with power. And we've seen Santos just no-show before. He lost to Eric Spicely. He lost to Eric Spicely. 
I'm not, I'm not sure how many times I could say that before it resonates. I know it was just one t- one one loss, but it's a big one. And he was knocked out three three and a half months ago by David Branch. That's a pretty quick turnaround. I'm still picking Tiago Santos. I think he's better, but I'm going to be overweight to the field on Kevin Holland. I think people are skipping by him. Minus 420 to end inside the distance. Sign me up for a healthy amount of, of Kevin Holland. Uh, I think someone's going to sleep in the first round here. We'll start with Joe for this one because I know – that I have infinitely more Kevin Holland than you right now. Yeah, well, if you if you have more than zero, you certainly do. Um, <laughs> not to say that I won't add a lineup or two with Holland, but please, I like this. Me, I like please. this fight. I like this fight everywhere for Santos. Look, there's there's narratives. I mean, he he knows he can't lose two fights in a row. He looked pretty jacked at weigh-ins. Um, you know, I I don't understand why he's not the highest favorite on the card. Um, it's got the biggest, he's got the single best inside the distance prop. Um, I would actually argue that the line isn't wide enough on this fight. I mean, Holland wasn't even given a contract um, in the Dana White's contender series. And he was actually lobbed a softball for his fight. Like he was lobbed a fighter that was older, that that had, you know, that wasn't nearly as talented as him. And he he couldn't finish the guy, didn't get a contract. Um, you know, lost to, who did he lose to? Melander, um, before Melander moved down um, to welterweight. I I don't know, man. I, I just think everything's aligned here in Santos's favor. Not to say that, it, you know, look, he can't get caught. He could get caught. Of course he got caught. He can get caught. I just, I like this fight everywhere. I don't understand why it's not, why Santos is not the biggest line favorite on the card. He should be. Um, but I think you lock and load with Santos, and if Holland beats you, so be it. Chris, how do you have this one? Okay, a couple things here about uh, Tiago Santos. Um, I think Branch, and this is what I was worried about uh, for him in that fight, um, I think Branch pretty much, um, you know, not wrote the book because it was already there, but maybe exposed the book, took it off the shelf, where if you if – you, Pressure and crowd Tiago Santos. His basic defense is just to throw uh, really hard hooks at you, hoping you'll go away. And Branch didn't and caught him. I don't think Kevin Holland can do that to him on the feet. First of all, I don't think he's that dedicated of a pressure fighter. No, not so at all. Huh? Not at all. No, I don't think he's that dedicated of a pressure fighter. And um, I, I, I also, I also wonder, you know, if. Um, Look, the, the other thing that he, he can do, we saw in his Bellator fights, I'm wondering if Holland is going to try to take this to the ground. Uh, he's a pretty dedicated submission artist. Uh, we saw him win his Bellator fight that way. He's got a number of submissions on the record. Um, he doesn't do much in the way of takedowns from what I've seen. And we did see Tiago Santos get a sweep on uh, Anthony Smith. That's Anthony Smith, I understand. But... Um, I'm kind of curious to see what will happen if this fight goes to the ground. I wonder if um, Holland will take that path. I think he should. I think if this stays on the feet for any length of time, he's going to be pretty much dead. I don't think he's going to be able to handle the explosiveness of Tiago Santos. I don't think he's much of a counterpuncher. So I think, um, you know, he can always catch him with a shot. He's a big, powerful guy. But I'll be very interested to see if um, – if uh, Holland game plans to wrestle here, if not, I got to take Santos by not. And who was that guy he beat at Bellator? His oh. name was Tegan Dooley. 
Okay. And and where is Tegan Dooley right now? Pumping I up. can't answer that question for you. I think he's tending bar. Um, you know, well, well, <laughs> he he's got a four and one professional record, so that might tell you. Uh, he's a range. He's a range fighter. Holland. Yeah. I'd be shocked if he tried to take it down. He's going to try to fight at range, and Santos is going to light him up with kicks. Holland's going to get frustrated, and Santos is going to just finish him like, like a beer. Uh, good. Very good. Luck. You are relying on Tiago Santos to show up, so good luck with that. He should win, but I, I, I think there's a very real possibility he pukes all over himself. Ooh. And uh, loses two in a row. That's going to permanently derail any hope he has of moving up in middleweight. Yep. He loses two in a row. Absolutely. Hasn't he hasn't he lost two in a row before? Maybe he absolutely I... has. Yeah, he lost the, the Eric Spicely fight where he folded was coming off of a loss to Gegard Musashi. Yeah, that was a tough he, loss. That he took on that that was a quick turnaround too. It's some more mirroring for you. There's, there's a narrative I just kinda uncovered. For for what it's worth. Santos should win. I just don't trust the guy. Next up, Pollyanna Vienna, eighty nine hundred, taking on JJ Aldrich at seventy three hundred. Line movement that I disagree with. Aldrich is now only the underdog at plus 120. Pollyanna Vienna is minus 130. Look, I know Pollyanna v- Vienna beat you know, Maya Stevenson last time out. I get it. J.J. Aldrich is the better range fighter. Okay, sure. I think even if Aldrich wins and you want to pick her, I think she's, she's pretty bad. Like, she might end up in the nuts lineup. She is not a volume striker. She would stay at range and hit Vienna. I think Vienna can get her down. And once this fight's on the ground, I think Vienna's going to tear through her. And honestly, at minus 130, I think there's some value there in Vienna for a bet. This this was, this was opened up at minus 210 and is closed steadily. I disagree with the line now. I think Aldrich becomes a little chalkier. I don't think she scores very highly in a win. So for me, I like Pollyanna Vienna uh, to just have her way on the ground. With J.J. Aldrich. Joe, you're the women's MMA whisperer. I, I heard a giggle because I think you're on Aldrich. No, I mean, okay, that's not a line movement. That is that is not going to occur from guys betting 5 and $10 on the fight. Someone dropped a significant amount of money on J.J. here to cause that kind of line movement. Because didn't – now, I may be incorrect, but didn't the line actually get wider after opening initially? Uh-huh. I, I have the history. Hang on. Yeah. It it did. It was all the way at minus 325. Yes, exactly. She that was is. a three to one. So to go from 320 to one minus 140 means someone or or some buddies threw a significant amount of money down on was, JJ here. It was pretty steady. Like it wasn't all at once, except it did make from 200 to 150, it, it made a big jump. But from there, it was slowly ticking all week. Look, I mean, I get that it's women's MMA and, and it doesn't take the same amount of money to move lines in MMA as it does in other sports. But I, I still have to believe that if not a complete steady stream of money coming in. Now, I had some Aldridge before the line movement and I, I, I added a little bit to my Aldridge position. Look, I, I think Vienna is worth, I think she's worth a play. I definitely think that, um, you know, I, I don't see JJ getting a finish. Um I like the salary relief. I mean, you're getting 7.3 K at, at, you know, plus 120 is, is pretty attractive. And I think her ownership is going to, you know, all the odds players are going to move. But I think, you know, I don't love this fight to target, but I think you should have some shares of each, but I'm going to be much higher weighted to JJ. Chris, what do you got in this fight? 
Well, I understand the line movement because Paula Vianna can't strike. And she's not really a wrestler, although she does have some takedowns against the fence. But it's not like she's a dedicated wrestler. J.J. Aldridge is a boxer who keeps range. Um, that's going to help her out in this fight. Wait, I think Chris, you're, you're the technical guy. So why don't you talk about the types of takedowns that Pollyanna goes for? Uh well, the one that she got against Maya Stevenson was just sort of an against-the-fence trip. I haven't really seen anything like a double leg or anything reactive. I don't think she has anything like that. It's just so, it's like power judo throws. I mean, yeah, it's, it, not, it's nothing technical about her takedowns. Yeah, no, I think you're right about that. And I think, um, I think look, Audrey's going to keep range. She's obviously the more technical striker. I think um, – she if she if she can circle out, which I think she can, and she can keep her range, I think she can tag her up. Now now I do agree that I don't think it's likely that she gets a finish. So what we have to deal with here, if we like Aldridge, is we got you got 15 minutes to stay on your feet, you know. And in 15 minutes, if all you need is one, and I don't know that all she needs is one, but I'm not willing to take the chance that although you know Maya Stevenson. Got out of that first armbar that that Vienna put her in. I mean, th that is worth noting. But um, let's just say, for the sake of argument, that she only needs one. Okay, so we got 15 minutes to to fade one takedown. I don't like those odds that much. So in GPP, you definitely need some Vienna if um, in case she gets a quick finish. Um, but I like Aldridge to win the fight too. I don't know how well she scores. I think it's 73. It's not inconceivable that she scores like 75 to 78 which i think will be absolutely fine um so yeah this is a, a fight where i think you need exposure to both and but as far as you know who am i picking for the fight i'm gonna go with aldridge here because i can't pick somebody you know i can't pick a jujitsu person with no striking who doesn't really have any wrestling so there you go i mean i picked mackenzie during against the man of bobby cooper and that worked out well because she showed off her overhand right Sorry, Which, uh, I, 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 I wasn't. You just the way you described that at the very end. I'm like, wait, I picked the fighter like that woman's MMA. It's still women's yeah, and, MMA. and I know. And you guys were all saying, oh, she's gonna knock her down first with something hard. That's all what you guys were all saying. I remember it. Yeah, pretty much. Moving on, yeah. Hanato Maikano, 9100, taking on Cub Swanson at 7100. This line has um, it opened pretty wide. I believe it's it stayed there. Moicano is a minus 295 favor. The comeback on Cub. Plus 265. Look, I'll let Chris tell you why Cub's going to knock out Hanato Moicano. I'm going to tell you that Moicano is the better striker. He outstruck a really good guy in, in Calvin Qatar last time out. He was beating Brian Ortega until in the third round. He got caught with the submission. That's legit. He, he beat Jeremy Stevens. He had a couple takedowns in that fight. Look, overall, Moicano's the better striker than, than Cub. He hits harder. He's more liable to finish. The only way Cub wins this fight, the only thing Cub has going for him in this fight is that unorthodox striking style. He's prone to get hit. I I, I just I don't think Kanato Moicano is going to fight a silly fight and get caught here. I think he's pretty much better everywhere. I think I think Cub is on his way out. Chris, we'll start with you. Why is Cub Swanson, why is this the fight that starts his five-fight winning streak on his way to the title? Well, first of all, I need to say that I, I contacted Twitter Terms of Service for all the abuse I'm getting from these two uh, for picking up in that fight. So, guys, expect, expect an email very soon. But, um, 
Yeah, you know, I just I think that Cub is going to do what you need to do to beat Moicano, which we haven't really seen anybody do yet, at least in my opinion, which is brawl him. When you try to brawl Anato Moicano, he he does he does this thing as a counter strike to try to push you away. It almost it almost reminds me of Tiago Santos, and I think that Cub is going to keep that pressure. He's going to dart in with hard strikes, and he's going to take the fight to him. I think. Look, and I, I want to be clear that I'm not saying Anato Moicano can't win this fight. I think he can. I like him. He's a counter striker. He's got good hard leg kicks. He's good at circling off the cage. He's good at avoiding strikes. But we haven't really seen someone take a fight right to him yet. And I think that, um, you know, I think that Cub's going to do that. And I think Cub's going to stay on him. I think Cub's not going to give him all the space he needs to circle out, which is the way he beats Stevens, which is the way he he um if you remember um Qatar looked pretty good in that in the opening minutes of that fight and it's because he was coming forward and it's because he was pressuring after that Makano kind of got his bearings um uh the, I think the boxer in Qatar took over and he stayed at range and that's not how you want to fight Anato Makano in my opinion I think Cub is going to take the fight to him um I think he's going to you know hit him hard Maybe Moicano hits a little harder, but I think Cub still hits plenty hard. And I like him for a win here, maybe a finish. And I'm, I'm seeing people say he needs one, but I don't know if he needs one. I think he can keep a pressure game for three rounds, and uh, that's what I'm that's what I'm betting on. So there you go. Wow. Joe, what do you got? Well, that, that breeze that just came in was Makano breathing a sigh of relief, knowing that Chris said he's got a remote possibility of winning the fight. <laughs> um, who is more technical? Um, Adam Lobov or, or Renato Makano? It's not even close. The amount of strikes that Cub Swanson took from Adam Lobov. Now, Makano is a slow starter. Yes, I, I will say he's a slow starter. Great. Um, the other, you want narrative? Cub is local. Apparently, he spent $26,000 on tickets for families and friends to come watch him. Now, I don't view that as a positive. I view that as a major fight week distraction. When you've got so much family coming in that you just spent 26K on tickets, um, my take is that he's going to have a lot of help having carrying him out of the ring with all those people he's got at the fight. Um, I see a late finish by Moicano, late second round, um, you know, third round maybe. Um, this is a difficult fight for me on, on DK, though, because you got Moicano at 9.1K, I think the likelihood of a finish is higher with Santos. I just don't know if Makano is going to get enough points to earn his salary. Um, so I'm going with Makano here. Easy, easy, easy. Um, but I just don't know. I, I think you should have some shares. I just don't know what to do you know, with him on DraftKings. All right. Co-main event time. Henry Cejudo, 6,800, taking on Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson at 9,400. The line on this one, Mighty Mouse is minus 430. The comeback on Tejudo, plus 380. Look, it's you can't pick against Demetrius Johnson when you go skill for skill. He's faster. He he can outstrike Tejudo. You know, you see him moving and out. You finished him with, with a knee on the inside last time. I just have a funny feeling that I think this fight is closer than the line. You can't expect a flash knockout at 125 again. Tejudo has been making improvements. He is a Golden Glove boxer before he's shown off his karate style. He can grapple. I know he took down Demetrius, and Demetrius popped right back up in the first fight. But over five rounds, if he gets a few of those, we saw Temelia control Demetrius Johnson. I 
Hudo can do that. I think this fight is closer. I'm still picking Mighty Mouse here. I think overall the volume is going to be be too much. I think this is a good fight to stack. I think this is this is the better fight to stack of the two, except for the explosive uncertainty in the first one. I think this one is more stackable. Still going to go with Mighty Mouse, but I will have some shares of Zahudo just because um, I gave my quick technical breakdown, but I just have a funny feeling on this one. In, all, in Los Angeles, Henry Cejudo, 11 title defenses, I think it is, for, for, for Demetrius. God, this it, something just feels off here to me, and, and there's no technical breakdown behind that. So technique-wise, Johnson, my gut is saying Cejudo for some reason. And maybe that's just because I know it's MMA and when it, this long of a winning streak. At some point, something's going to happen. So, Chris, who do you have here? Well, I think that I think every every DJ fight for the past five or six we've had this right where it's oh he might do it he might do it well I you know he might and then no he doesn't do it look um, no wait 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 I I, I disagree there was I disagree with that the last time I thought that was Cejudo the first time no he's I'm not, not saying about you he's not saying you okay he's there's, making there's, a general statement yeah. people thought Wilson Hayes was going to beat. Demetrius Johnson? There's always a little of that. Like they, they, they outline the attributes and they go, well, I don't know. You know. But um, at least I'm going with an Olympian. Jesus. Well, yeah, no, I don't I don't begrudge you that. I'm just I'm just saying that I think it seeps into our uh unconscious that uh you know it would be exciting and that's what we want to happen. So but I anyway, that might not that might not be you uh, specifically. I'm just but anyway, oh, yeah. um I, I, I have to I have to say that I'm not so sure. That um, that um, Cejudo will control Demetrius because w- the one takedown he got in that first fight, we didn't see him get controlled there. One time, I know, but it, you know, I mean, if he's going to control him, he's got to control him. But um, you know, I I, th- I think DJ is just really good at scrambling. I think he's getting better at it too. Uh, we saw we saw him not be able to be controlled at all by uh, Ray Borg and out scramble Ray Borg pretty much every single time. Um, I, I just think, I mean, you covered it. I mean, the in and out movement, the different, the strikes from different angles every time, um, the work in the clinch, uh, which Asuhudo is going to have to enter into at some point, you know, if, if he wants those takedowns, it's just, it's just, it's just not going to work out well for him. I mean, let's say, let's say he goes in and Demetrius stuffs the initial shot, right? And now he's right back to where he was in the first fight, uh, that got him knocked out. I mean unless he he's shown some improvements in that area i just i i just don't think i i think that Cejudo probably should have waited on this fight maybe three or four more i know maybe dj doesn't have that long in the division but i think this is a little too soon for him i don't think he's drastically improved enough i know he showed off some better striking recently but when he was up against sergio pettis and couldn't outstrike him what happened he, he just became the wrestler again so if that's all he has coming back, I'm not saying it's nothing, of course, because it's Olympic level. But I, I, I just don't know if it's going to be enough. I don't know if Sahuda's going to be able to hold him down. And if he can't, I just think it's going to be DJ doing what DJ does. So I'm going with Mighty Mouse. You're muted. You're muted. You're muted. I, got you. I got you. I got you. Sorry about that, guys. Yeah. Some background noise going. I was trying to be be considerate. Uh, Joe, I think we know the technical breakdown on this fight now. 
how are we approaching it on DraftKings? Wait, so you guys are not you guys are not um, you know believers in the new age camp that Henry Cejudo had? I mean, I heard some ninety oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard some ninety year old Navajo woman blew, blew like smoke all over his body and yeah, created he's tingles. Doing, he's doing some weird like, kind of spiritual whatever. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's got talisman and all kinds yeah. of cool things. And you know, look, unless unless Cejudo can hurt Demetrius Johnson with his hair. Um, I don't really see any difference in the outcome of this fight versus the last fight. Um, the issue I have here is, absent a lot of of passes and wrestling moves, um, there is some caution. Uh, I mean, DJ has been a scoring machine, but that's usually based on ground points, not so much on on stand up significant strikes. So. I just don't know. I mean, I think he's a good play for cash. I think he could be a good play in GPPs. But if you're going to play Demetrius Johnson in GPPs, you're going to have to get a dog or two that comes up big in your lineups because he's just so damn expensive. And you got to get Santos in your lineups as well. So I think he's challenging to use in GPPs unless you really are confident in a, in a dog or two. Um, but I, I like him for the win going away. All right, let's move on to the main event. TJ Dillashaw, 8,200, taking on Cody Garbrandt, 8,000. Big rematch. Uh, the line on this fight, it, it's been a pick em. Uh, TJ's a small favorite now, minus 120. Garbrandt, plus 110 on five dimes. Look, this fight is as close <laughs> as could possibly could be. It's an all-in situation for me on DraftKings. That first fight, if it had five more seconds to it, I... I think that Cody finishes TJ. Overall, I think TJ is the more complete fighter, uses his angles better, has some wrestling. I think Cody has some we haven't seen. I just think TJ's is better, so I won't totally discount Cody on the ground. Overall, I just I like the way TJ fights, and Cody just has has limited power. Which way it goes, who knows come, come fight day. If, if the, the co-main wasn't on this card, I'd say stack this fight. You know, I think it's stackable. The double stack you could run, but as we outlined in the open, then you really better be accurate later. Uh, if I'm going for a fight pick, I'll go with Dillashaw for the reasons I mentioned, just a more complete game. I think Cody's also putting a lot of pressure on himself. So I'll take TJ Dillashaw, but I'll have plenty of both sides. Uh, Joe? So when you have a fight where both fighters are just a little bit of an asshole, um, you know, who's the less of an asshole? Um, probably TJ. Um with I don't that know. Said, it's hard to tell. With that said, there there is a bit of a narrative with – I'm sure it's pretty – anybody who's kind of been following this knows that, you know, Cody had back issues. The reason he took the last fight was financially motivated. With that said, I don't know how big an issue it was, but he almost did finish TJ. I think you need to have exposure to this fight. Um, the one concern I have is that if, if for some reason this does go to a decision – I don't know that either fighter will be optimal lineup GPP. I think we we do need a finish in this fight um, for the fighter to be on the in the optimal lineup or the nuts, as we like to say. Um, I I actually am picking TJ to win, but at last look, I actually had a higher percentage of Cody simply because the two hundred dollars savings opened up more possibilities in terms of combinations that I wanted to play. So. Even though I like TJ to win the fight, you know, as evidenced by how close I feel it is, I actually have a higher percentage of Cody 
in my mass entry GPP lineups. But TJ is the pick, um, but you do need exposure to this fight. Chris, wrap us up. Yeah, um, I, I, I agree that it's close, but, I mean, just the deciding factor for me is who's the better all-around fighter. And for me, that's TJ Dillashaw yeah. the whole way. And that's why I went with TJ the first time. Because to me, unless TJ had some kind of glaring weakness like his chin or his gas tank, which he doesn't have either of those problems, I I just don't see how you don't go with the better fighter. Sure, Cody has a little bit more power, but TJ's power is fine. You know, so I mean, that's not that's not really, you know, that's not really a huge advantage in my opinion. I think that, um, you know, um, TJ just has more ways to win. He's got he's got more things that Garbrandt's going to have to think about. He can he can try to get the wrestling going. He, um, you know, can do his Dominic Cruz-esque um, coming in at, at angle striking. And look, can he get caught? Absolutely, he can get caught. But if you're asking me who the better fighter is, who I think is going to win, um, you know, it, it could be a little sticky again like the first fight, but I expect TJ to come through it. Hot take time. Hot it take is time for the hot takes, and I will – I, I, I alluded to mine earlier, so you guys can have a, few, a couple extra seconds. I'm just deciding how many will go. Brett Johns gets a decision win over over Pedro Munoz, securing. You know, I, I, it's, it's probably a bit high, but it's a hot take. Securing eight takedowns, scoring at least 95 points. I, I think that's doable, actually. I, I want you to go hotter than that. Well, my hot take is despite the, the massive – not massive, despite the plus money on Moicano um, inside the distance, I would go against the current line right now and take a stab and a bat on Moicano um, inside the distance. Chris? Blasphemy. Okay. Um, boom goes the dynamite. Uh, Danielle Taylor gets her first finish inside the octagon. Um, I, I, can't, body- I can't even. By a body kick? Body I, I can't. I just I'll, spice it up. Just spice it up. Spice okay. it up. God, I, I need a three-week break from this. So this is our last episode for three weeks. For three until weeks Lincoln. Make, until Lincoln. Make sure you guys subscribe to the channel, rotowire.com/free. All that good stuff. Hope you enjoy your contest. Enjoy your Saturday night. A fun card from Los Angeles. And and, and two of the three of us are going to actually be watching the fights. Together tomorrow, one could not get a note from his mom uh, to be yeah. out that late. Um, but two of the three of us are actually going to be uh, watching the fights along with some other um, notables in the um, MMA DFS Twitter community. Um, we're going to be getting together and watching some fights tomorrow. Should, I'm looking forward to it. Probably take a picture of that at some point before oh, we yeah, yeah, we got we to do some live tweeting. We got to put some yeah, photos up. Sure. Yeah, but we just- got to do. Some- just know that if Danielle Taylor secures this knockout, my phone is going off. Like there's that, that's actually going to hit the mute button for a little while. I don't blame I'm just, you, man. I'm just going to keep posting that picture I have of your face from a couple weeks ago over and over and over again. Jeez. Oh, All right. Guys, thank you again. I, please subscribe to the Rotowire channel. Anybody you know at Rotowire, follow them on Twitter and tweet at them mercilessly that you want the Fight IQ guys on Sirius because you know yes. what? It's time. It's time we got on serious radio. Yeah, what's have- that guy? What's that guy's name? Derek. Um, what's his name? The guy that he's always on on serious. Derek Van. Ripper. Uh, Derek Van Ripper. Derek Van Ripper. Yeah, come on, Derek. Give us like, give us five minutes on 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 Roto on serious. You know, for, like get, let us get us on for the Connor fight. 
Get us on for when Connor oh, fights Khabib. Like Get that. us on for five minutes so we could give our analysis for that fight. Come I on. think that is a great idea. Yeah. So I got to find his Twitter. We'll, we'll start hitting him up next time. But guys, okay, so if you're Jake, on. Jake, Peter, you know, the ownership. Get us on, serious. That's right. It is It is an internal, I wouldn't call it mutiny, but we, we it's the contract negotiation. <laughs> I can't even say it, with, say it with a straight face. I do think MMA is growing, and we got Connor. So, guys, that's what that's your homework assignment for the next three weeks. I will sacrifice my monthly paycheck from Rotowire to get on serious. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, guys, do all that stuff. We appreciate you. Guys, it was fun as always. I'll see you in three weeks. Oh, Joe, I'll see you Saturday, but... See you tomorrow, man. I I will see you in three weeks. Take care.